When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another edition of Children of Song, the podcast that explores what it must have been like to grow up surrounded by music. For those of you who might be taking this journey with us for the first time, we're speaking with artists for whom making music is as natural as breathing. I'm Robert K. Orman, your host, and I'm joined by our producer, Brad Newman. Hey, Brad. Hey, Robert. Welcome back to Nashville, buddy. Oh, I love this town. And I, I tell you, I'm excited about today because, you know, we have a new group of artists we've never had on the on the show before. It's our first married couple. Can you believe that? Because country music just seems to be littered with them. But this is our first married couple. This is Thompson Square, who are one of the hottest duos on the scene right now. They are ready for a big comeback record. We're going to hear all about it. Welcome, you guys. Thank you. Thank Thank you very much. (laughs) So let's start with Oklahoma. All right. What? What? what, How old were you when you when music came into your life? Oh wow. Um, My my earliest recollection of of just being kind of taken by music and stuff was um, my parents were massive Elvis Presley fans I mean like giant fans so they had the poster and everything which very conservative very southern baptist straight laced Christian family so to have a Elvis poster in the house was kind of like having a Satan a big a big <laughs> frontal nude of Ron Jeremy or something you know uh, so you know I, that was my first exposure was was um, Elvis Presley on eight track. Uh-huh. Uh, Dad had an eight track player in his truck, and it was it, it was it was Elvis Presley and um, uh, Roger Miller, uh, Freddie Fender, loved Roger Miller, uh, Olivia Newton John. My dad, I think he just thought she was hot, but uh, <laughs> he, I remember he had Olivia Newton John eight track uh, in his truck as well. So did you sing their songs, the, those artist songs? Uh, the first song I could ever remember hearing was. Uh, can't roll skate in a buffalo herd. Can't roll skate in a buffalo herd. Can't roll skate in a buffalo herd. But you can be happy if you mind to. Roger, that, Roger that, Miller. The, yeah, the you know, that, that was the first thing because Dad would just die laughing when he heard these crazy lyrics, you know. And it wasn't until I moved to town and realized how it wasn't just funny, goofy songs. It was brilliant lyrics you know and an amazing the, singer right? yeah really husbands yeah. and wives you know, and all that stuff oh yeah yeah how about you sean are you a little dinky town in alabama was there music in the house absolutely um my dad uh loved merle haggard and george jones all the male country acts i didn't have a whole lot of female influences early on it wasn't until i um was a teenager that i experienced reba and Shania and mm-hmm. all the greats of the 90s, all the great women of the 90s. Did you sing as a kid? <clears throat> I did. You know, um, we have a recording, and actually on our first uh, album, we put a little snippet of it on there, me and my dad singing when I was about four at the kitchen table singing some hymns. And um, that moment was always a special moment for me. He was always sitting around the kitchen table with a banjo or a guitar or some sort of instrument, and he would take me to bluegrass festivals when I was a little bitty thing. and. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, so it's, it's always been a huge, huge part of my life. 
what what was behind your decision to to make music your career and come to Nashville, Shauna? I think it was the first time that I saw Alabama in concert. Huh. My somehow my aunt had front row seats for like our entire family. I'm not sure how she pulled that one off, but um, it was around 1985, like right in the middle of Alabama being ginormous. Mm-hmm. And um, I was probably five years old. And um, I remember sitting there, and um, I wanted to give Randy a flower, but I didn't have a flower to give him. Randy Owen, the Randy lead Owen, yeah. And uh, my aunt was like, we'll do better than that. We'll go meet him after. And this was when uh, artists would be out in the front of a big coliseum, like out in the like when you first walk in the door, they would stay there and all night and sign autographs. So uh, she and my mom stood in line with me, and um, I was able to get a kiss from Randy Owen that night. And uh, that whole experience, it just made me, to see the crowd reaction to them and uh, the way they performed, everything about it, that's what made me want to be an artist. And you knew somehow that Nashville was the place to go? Yeah, yeah. My, my dad helped me along the way with that. Did he? Yeah, he... Um, he actually built this uh, country music park, we like to call it, um, just outside of a piece of property, um, on a piece of property close to our home in Alabama. And um, it was this stage kind of shaped like a barn, um, kind of like the Opry. And once a month, every month, we would have a show there, and everybody from the community would come, and we'd have bluegrass music and country. And um, he put a little cement uh, dance floor out there so everybody could dance and have a good time. How fun. Oh, yeah. It was a blast. It was everybody back home. It was like the thing to do once a month. You know, it was like the, the social event of the because month. Because that was the only thing. That's right. Do. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> what would you sing back then? Any originals or covers? No, it was it was covers back then. Um, I mentioned earlier that my dad was a big Merle Haggard fan. So I was I was like the only girl that would sing Merle Haggard. Um and then later on, you know, Reba and, and Shania and, and uh, um, just Pat, Patty Loveless. I could go on and on, but Love yeah. Patty, love yeah. Patty. Yeah. Kiefer, how did you make the decision to come here? I was, I, I wasn't like Sean. I was completely scared and sh- super, super shy. And I'm not sure where all that went. <laughs> um, but my, my actual first... Um, I remember when I was a little kid, I, there's there's home videos, footage of me in a plastic guitar and my diaper and cowboy boots imitating Elvis around the house. I, I've always been kind of entertaining, you know, people or the family or whatever else. But then when it got a little bit older, where it, it could have become something real, I was, I was writing songs when I was 13, 14, and um, there was a, uh, a show called the Grand Lake Opry in Grove, Oklahoma. And they had a contest there, and if you got if you won the contest, you got to come back on the Saturday night and sing, you know, for the big crowd of like 500 people, you know. So I went down there and um, tried out, you know, and and uh, won the contest and came back. What did you sing? I sang a pocket full of gold uh, from Vince, I think. Um, <laughs> he slipped the ring off his finger. When he walked in the room And he found him some stranger And promised her the moon 
You think you're a rich man With your pocket full of gold <laughs> Talking about Patty Loveless, I think that's her singing harmony on that uh, Yeah, 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 it is. Too, yeah. Yeah, that song is so hard not to like blow your head off when you're singing that song. <laughs> I find it so uh, cool and uh, prophetic that you move to town at exactly the same time. It's, yeah, how, it's it, pretty serendipitous, it was, to say the least. It was weird, you know, as soon as... Uh, you it was know, the same I, week, wasn't it? Yeah, the same yeah. week. I, I went ahead and finished college before I moved, because uh, no one in my family had ever gone and graduated from college, so... I wanted to get that out of the way, and after that contest, I was singing in a little opera show in Fort Scott, Kansas, and I just got addicted. I mean, after that night, you know, hearing the applause, I just got hooked, you know, and mm-hmm. I had to start focusing my attention to, to Nashville, you know, and um, as soon as I graduated college, literally, we packed up the U-Haul and uh, behind my blazer and took off. And I graduated high school, and I was on my way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, um, I, Shana, I'm you... so blessed to have had super supportive parents that didn't force me to go to college they I guess they saw in me that I loved music so much that it wasn't going to do me any good to go to college (laughs) but um (laughs) they helped me move here and um my dad actually lived with me for a little while oh did he Mm -hmm. he would drive back and forth to Alabama he being Um, the big country fan oh yeah and and musician you know oh he was a musician too. yes he was yeah bass player yeah so um a talent competition is how you two met. How did you find out about it, Shauna? Well, when you first moved to town, or back then, you tried to, you know, make your way and find friends and figure out how to meet people because I wasn't in college or going to school or anything. So I heard about these contests around town. There was one at the Nashville Palace over close to Opryland Hotel mm-hmm. and um, over at uh, the Nashville Nightlife, which is also over there by the hotel. Um one was on Monday night, and one was on Wednesday night, I think. I can't remember. And um, you just go there and, and make friends and socialize, and um, there was a chance you could win some money, so that doesn't hurt, you know. Bonus. Right? Yeah, it, yeah, it was like a $50 grand prize. You know? that, that was <laughs> $50? Mo- that was big money yeah. back then, man. What did you sing? Um, Do You by KT Oslin, which, oh my gosh, it's been forever since I've sang that. Um do you still get a thrill when you see me coming up the hill running now do you and do you whisper my name just to bring a little comfort to you do you do you still I can't wait to tell her you sang that song. She's one of my best friends. Oh, I Thanks. love that. I love her. I and you her entered all... the contest too, right? I did. Was it with Pocket Full of Gold? That was that was my song, man. You know, <laughs> I was a massive Vince Gill fan, and, and uh, it was either that or um, uh, Liza Jane, or it was a, a lot Always of Vince, Vince Gill. A lot of well, a lot of Vince Gill stuff. Um, but uh, you know, Merle Haggard was the reason why I started writing songs so many years ago, and. And so it was uh, you know, your your typical 
lower Broadway, you know, uh, haggard set list, you know, of working man blues and right. and stuff like that, you know. But uh, that that night it was it was a pocket full of gold. That first night we met and. Yeah, Did you win either one of you? No, we you know this. We never won. Um, we both won at the National Palace, but we never won at the National Nightlife. Yeah, there was a kid that always sang Air Supply. Uh, Air Supply. So, what? Yeah. So his, it was this big range screamy song, you know. And so the, the 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 judges were the patrons of the place, you know. And so it was a new crowd. Air Supply, please. Yeah, yeah. So it, he always won. Tell us how you met, though. Was that you know? Do you remember it? Still? I remember every bit of it. You know, I have. I, uh, there was a sign-up. Judy Martin put on all these contests at the time, you know. And uh, I walked in. I found out about. It. I just got a job at the Nashville Cowboy Western Store, and still had my trailer on my Bronco or my Blazer when I went to the contest that night. But um, I walked into the place, and I, 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 I walked in. I was trying to figure out where you sign up at, and I looked up the. There's a little area on the bar where all the people, kids, I guess. Uh, we were then um, signed up, and I saw Shauna. I remember what she wore and everything. It had this curly hair and long, curly, strawberry blonde hair and this skirt and jacket thing. And and um, I just, I, I don't know what it was. It was uh, something very interesting. Uh, I've never felt like that. I've never been attracted to someone instantly like that, mm-hmm. you know. And it was, because I just broke up with someone. We were, we were in the process of breaking up. It was cracked. <laughs> uh, hadn't fully broken yet, but um, in a long relationship, right? Like five yeah, years. Yeah, five years. You know, did you feel the same way the first time you saw him, Shauna? There was definitely something about him. Like as soon as I, Are I noticed kidding? him out of the corner of my eye when he walked in the door, and um, it's really funny because uh, that night or the next morning, I called my mom and I was like, I met this cowboy from Oklahoma <laughs> because at the time, Kiefer wore a cowboy hat. He was very. George Strait, like I was he straight had this out of Oklahoma, man. starch Bu- jeans and the buckle. big buckle. And- oh, yeah. I can't even picture you like that. <laughs> no, you know, and it's funny because you know when we were playing for tips down in Broadway and stuff, everyone looked the same. Everybody had a cowboy hat on, you know, and starched everything. And so I was like, well, I'm never going to stand out if I look like everybody else. And so mm-hmm. I, I still have every, I still have all my gear. I just retired it, you know. <laughs> we have to mention though that was '96, so 90- it was like right in the middle of all the all the hat acts, like the hat acts, you know? yeah. yeah. So, so you, you initially though, even after you became a couple, you were still two different acts, right? Mm-hmm. We we were, you know. Um, what what made it a duo? What? Oh wow! Uh, well, that 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 happened. Um, Kind of by accident too, you know. So we we started dating that night, sort of. Um, when I mean like, hey, like we're dating today. Uh, but we we started our relationship uh, very quickly, and uh, we dated for three years. And in those three years, I'd started playing down on Broadway for tips and stuff, you know. And Sean was doing her thing, and and uh, she would come down and sing with me. Well, uh, a phenomenal giant songwriter, a friend of mine, uh, Don Goodman, Don. was in the crowd. And he was my first big writer that I wrote with, you know, in town. And uh, he came out to see me play. Well, he was sitting out there, and I was doing my thing. And then Shauna got up and sang with me. And we got done, and he was like, listen, I love the way you sing, man. I really, really do. But when you and your wife sing together, that's unlike anything I've ever heard before. That's what you, that's it. That's the thing. That's what you're, that's what you should do. And um, and then another friend of ours that plays the drums for Dirk Bentley kind of said the same thing, you know. So we couldn't really see it because we were so close to it, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, it wasn't uh, until Kiefer uh, actually went out on the road 
as a side guy for an uh, artist named Sarah Johns mm-hmm. out on the George Strait tour, and he was gone for a little while. Which he is the longest we've ever been away from each other. We didn't like being apart. Yeah. <laughs> it was bad. So it was kind of out of necessity to be together. We wanted to be together all the time. We love hanging out and well, being together. And that's the thing. you know, we're, we're best friends, and it's just a really odd situation to, to be this close and, 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 and be with each other so much. I mean, it's literally that... You know, a week stretch at a time out there on that straight tour playing guitar was the longest we've ever been apart in the 22 years we've been together. I mean, so it's every day, all day. It's a great thing. It's it's it, it's, it's awesome. People it, ask it really us all is. the time, my gosh, how do you do it? We we don't have an answer for it. It just works. We're best friends. You know, that's uh, like, uh, the big breakthrough hit, Are You Going to Kiss Me or Not, sounds like a courtship song. I mean, mm-hmm. did it spring from that? I wish we I wish that we had written that one. David Lee Murphy and Jim Collins wrote that. And, and uh, Oh, I thought that was yours. Mm-mm. And that, that, anytime we cut an outside song, we try to make sure it seems like something that we would have written, you know. And uh, It does sound like, like I told I say, it sounds like a courtship song. Yeah. I told Jim and Dave, you know, if you want me to really take ownership of it, give me some ownership of it, you know. <laughs> and we'll really take it home. But, uh, yeah, that, that song, you know, people kind of expect that. When you have such a big song like that coming out, that's the first impression everybody gets. It's kind of like, okay, that's, that's what color you are, mm-hmm. you know. And so... Which is good, you know. Uh, it's good and bad sometimes, but most of our stuff that we've um, written and recorded since then, especially with this new thing, is uh, has to do with love in some sort of way, you know, because people that come to our shows are getting engaged and married and re-engaged. And well, you're the real thing. It's you're crazy. a real happy married couple. I mean, it's right. like everybody wants that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So it gets nominated for two Grammys. Are you going to kiss me or not? I'm going like, wait, this is easy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, nothing's ever been easy for us. Um, we, I feel, we feel like we've been the underdog and had to fight for and scratch for everything that we've ever gotten. You know, and, and it's always been that way my whole life, and and Sean's too. But do Nash- a little bit of it for us. Nashville's not any different. No, which uh, uh, are you going to kiss me? Are you going to kiss me? Kiss me or not? I think I know that one. <laughs> you gonna kiss me or not? We gonna do this for why I think you know it like you were alive But you're about to miss your shot Are you gonna kiss me all night? <laughs> and then everything changes. Well, I think, you know, the, but After the, that one. I think that when I think about you guys, this is the kind of songs I think about. I mean, yeah. you, you know, you are so the couple. You're the country, you're Mr. and Mrs. Country Music. I mean, it's like, you yeah. know, that's can, we, be, can we phrase, can we coin that? <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Country Music. You know, we, we, we got to, after. You do, well, do you, you were talking about, you know, the songs that have been big for you. Do the fans treat you like they, that's what they expect to hear is like a piece of your life in the song kind of? I, th- I, think I think so. so. Yeah, like Kiefer was saying, we have like most of our shows. It's a couples thing. Couples. A lot of girls. Out. So guys, a lot of girls. Take but... note. There's a lot of women at our shows. <laughs> if you want to where all the girls are at, they're at the Thompson Square show. <laughs> but we do have a lot of couples that come, and um, yeah, I think in Nashville they say you should write what you know, and we know that we love each other, and um, I think that's what comes out best, you know, yeah. from us. Everything I shouldn't be thinking about is, a, a, again, a kind of a <laughs> yeah. relationshipy thing, you know. 
Yeah, it's a, a, a flirty little song. Um, Even the tempo stuff. I mean, tempo stuff's hard to write anyway that, that, that has some meat on it, you know. And Not that this song has any meat on it, but... I think it's a cute song. It's got, it's got a little bit, you know. Uh it was but interesting it, how that one was written. It's it's yeah. one of those things that even the tempo songs, which a lot of people that come to our show, they get done like, oh my god, you know, I didn't realize that you guys rock so hard because there's a lot of stuff that's very it's, it's very heavy and tempo and you know driven and stuff. But that song in particular is um, that's one that uh, I wrote with David Lee Murphy and again and uh, uh, Brett James. Um, we were out in Breaking Ridge, Colorado. And uh, it was one of those really... It's pretty out there, in the Oh, man. Yeah, our agent's got a beautiful home there. And it was just one of those ditch-digging moments, you know, when you have to go out there and <laughs> they put you yeah, up in this to... magnificent 6,000-square-foot with the snow, you know, ski slopes <laughs> and all that. And we're in the hot tub eight hours a day writing songs. Yeah, and, tough duty. Ah, oh, God, man. <laughs> got to find a real job. <laughs> Uh, but David Lee, we're trying to figure out what to write, and David goes, well, I got this. I can't talk as country as David Lee is. <laughs> but he's like, I got this lick, you know, and he's like. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's cool, man. That's a cool lick. Shauna was doing the unthinkable that day. You know, she was something I'd never seen her do before, and she was in the kitchen. <laughs> cooking. She was cooking, actually cooking. So I was in awe of that. <laughs> So it was hard to pay attention to the writing process when I'm trying mm-hmm. to soak this image up, you know. Uh, it's like seeing Sasquatch in the woods, you know. You, you want to pay Would attention. You stop? And, uh, what were you making? I made... Um, chorizo tacos. Chorizo tacos. I remember, man. Yeah. I remember everything about that. I sure did. Uh, but, yeah, David, he he had that lick, and, and uh, Brett's like, what's the song going to be about? I was like, I don't know, man. I said, but, I said my motorcycle does need an oil change. I said... Uh, my wife wants me to paint the fence, and it was all this laundry list. So, as I was just talking, I'd written the first verse. It just fell out through a laundry list of things I needed to do, and then uh, it was really entertaining listening to three guys write my verse. Right, <laughs> a yeah. girl's point of yeah, view for the whole. She was thinking about you know we were like well surely all the women about. think about sex just as much as we are. <laughs> uh, surely, uh, so let's write. Let's put Shauna in that. Put those shoes on Shauna, you know. <laughs> so, uh, but that song was literally written in like, I want to say like 20 or 25 minutes. <laughs> My motorcycle needs an old change. Fence needs mending, house needs paint. I got a million things that need to be done, but. Baby, I can only focus on one. The way you're looking back at me right now, I'm thinking about everything I shouldn't be thinking about. You're playing with my mind, baby, ain't no doubt. I'm thinking about everything I shouldn't be thinking about. Yeah, everything I shouldn't be thinking about. I want to hear your verse. <laughs> Baby, you've always had a one-track mind. Yep. So what you're saying ain't no surprise. What may come as a shock to you is that I'm having all those little thoughts too, yeah. The way you're looking back at me right now, I'm thinking about everything I shouldn't be thinking about. You're playing with my mind, baby, ain't no doubt. 
You're listening to Children of Song. I'm Robert K. Orman, and I'm joined by my producer, Brad Newman, and today we're speaking with Thompson Square, which is Kiefer and Shauna Thompson. You guys are killing me. You Thank know, you. You can really nail it just with your guitar and your voice. Oh, Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's really cute. It's been a while since you had a record out. Uh, Don't remind me, man. <laughs> you I had was in a good mood to You had that. tons of award nominations, loads of success with the early singles, and now you're, in a way, starting a new chapter. And mm-hmm. this all came about, I guess, because becoming parents changed everything. That was did part it. of it. I mean, part of it. Tell me a little bit about Coop. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, she and I never wanted to have kids. Uh, that was something that we talked about in the very beginning. We just didn't want to, didn't think we were going to be parents, you know. Like, I can't, I can't imagine that. And so, dating three years, uh, married three years, switching from single artist to duo, things start happening, uh, life changes, we're on a bullet train, and all of a sudden, I start looking around and noticing children everywhere. I'm just like, I'm seeing fathers and <laughs> sons and little girls in dresses and cute shoes, and <laughs> and I'm like, oh, crap. And uh, I was like, I, uh, I think I need to ask myself a question. So you have to be careful when you ask yourself live questions because you tend to not be able to lie to yourself. Uh-oh. And uh, I was like, as, as good as this business has been to us, God has been good to us. If, if we've done more things than we ever thought w- w- would ever happen to us. Do I want to be 80 years old, 90 years old, and look back at my life and say, man, I'm really glad I didn't become a father, you know? And I was like, gosh, dang it. I was like, no, I can't say that. I know I'll regret that. I and know I will. It takes two to tango. Yeah. It did. It, it, was, <laughs> it was the moment that I knew that he was, he was like, really serious about this. Um, our manager's assistant had her little boy at a photo shoot or something we were doing, and Kiefer was like, can I please hold him? And I was like, this is weird. <laughs> Who are you? So he was holding the baby, and the baby spit up on him, and he didn't freak out. He just, he was like, it's okay, it's okay. I was like, I think he's ready to be a dad. So then that got me excited. And what, a year later, you uh, were pregnant? And yeah, a year later. Yeah. I mean, I can give you details if you need them. If it's going to make this, if it's going to really rocket ship this interview, this is a PG. I can give you the PG version. Did your baby inspire music? Oh, absolutely. This new record, like, it's about him. Yeah, that's why we called it Masterpiece. Tell me, tell me a song that's about him. Well, the title track is called Masterpiece, and. I, I write some by myself, not a ton, but I, I, I do write some alone. And, and uh, we were at our house, and I woke up about six o'clock in the morning with this song title, uh, Masterpiece. And uh, I think as a writer, you get that stuff all the time, you know, you get woken up with ideas, and you got to write them down and go back to bed. Well, I, I wrote it down, I went back to bed, and I couldn't go to bed. I kept getting up with this masterpiece, masterpiece. So I, I finally got out of bed, and I went out by the pool. and. Um, had my guitar on my computer and I went out there and I was like, you know, what is this? What is this? What is this? What's masterpiece? You know, so I got to think about the word. And I was like, well, I, to me, a masterpiece is someone's best work, something that they've done that will never do anything better than that. And um, I was like, what is mine? You know, 
If you'd asked me two years later or earlier, I would have told you a different answer. But um, once Cooper got in our life, I mean, it was just like he's the master. That was it. Yeah. You know, I can't, I can't imagine winning any awards, having a bank account big enough, bigger boat, plane, anything that would. I would even consider trading for what I feel for him. And so I was like, well, that's that's strong. So I, I sat down and just kind of started thinking about, you know, what we all kind of look at, what masterpiece, what that means, you know, in the, in the way of like the Mona Lisa and these big, huge masterpieces. And um, I just made a comparison with him and um, played it for Shauna at breakfast later on when she got up and, and um, she just... I looked up and she was just crying, you know. And I have it, I recorded it um, as I went down. I was just getting a guitar vocal of it on my phone. And I got done with it and I was kind of emotional and looked up at her and she's crying and stuff. And I was just like, okay. You got me really curious to hear <laughs> this now. Now I really want to hear it. <laughs> Some men spend a lifetime Trying to somehow leave their mark Waiting and waiting A grand inspiration to spark To leave behind something to remember Something everyone has heard of some people build it, some people paint it, and some people do it with love. Shakespeare sure knew how to write down words that will live throughout time. And that Eiffel Tower still standing, it's built to be one of a kind. Da Vinci's got Beethoven's got his symphonies, but you're my masterpiece. There's a little piece of that. Very cool. That's a really good song, man. Thank you very much. Thank Thank you. That's excellent. You know, you got free with this record, too. You worked with a blank slate. You've got great producers. How... Talk about the, how you enlisted such talent for this record. Well, we had been wanting to work with Nathan Chapman for a long time. Who's famous for Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Lady Antebellum and mm-hmm. Keith Urban. Um, our, I'm our a big s- Nathan fan. I think he's cool. Oh, he's a, he's great, he's a great person. He's a jerk, but he's really great for <laughs> Our schedules never really lined up where it, it could happen until um, after we got out of our record deal. And we just, it was, it worked out. And we're so thankful it did because um, Nathan thinks different. I mean, he just, um, we experimented in so many different ways that we had never experimented before. Like the way we recorded vocals, like we had never sang live before. We sing live every night, you know, on stage, but never in the studio. So we experimented with that and just like weird sounds and stuff. 
uh, they used the road case and, and yeah, all kinds of different things. I've always, it was, I've always loved his stuff. I think he's really creative. He he, he is great, and, and and we're we're massive traditional country music fans. We're massive pop fans. We're massive rock fans. We're just massive music fans, you know. And he's in the same. I mean, he has a, his family. Just you know, growing up, it was all about music and all different genres. And um, it, it was. Uh, you know, it, when we were at the label, it was, you know, you, you used a couple of different producers and that was it, you know, and we just always wanted to be a little bit different. Um, so once we got out, we got to do whatever we want, you know, and, and uh, you know, Dan Huff, same deal. We had a couple of songs that had yeah, more. Yeah, he's of a, got a few credits. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> had like a, every, Rascal Flatts, Keith Urban. Oh, it's just. Oh, yeah, that's just the country as as stuff, you know. Uh, it's not, you know, mentioning all the other stuff, you know, the rock stuff, but, um, you know, but we, 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 Pick the producer for the songs, and then you know, like Masterpiece and a couple others. We didn't want anybody else touching them, so we did those ourselves. Because they're so personal. Uh-huh. But like with uh, with Nathan, you know, he he wanted to make sure that he was that he loved the music before we just went. Okay, let me just stroke you a check and let me take your money. And I'll produce the records. You know, he wanted to get in there, and um, so yeah, it wasn't like a, just a pay for work thing. It was like we're gonna go into this, and if I love the songs, we'll do it. If I don't, we'll try to find the songs and. So it was a collaborative effort, and um, I've never... My hat's off to you. I mean, so fun. For going out on your own and doing it with so, surrounding yourself with such talent. Yeah. That's, you know, that's a cool, that's a very cool thing to do. Thank you. Thank Have you. you got a favorite on the record? That was, that was it. I just played it. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a few, though. It really is. What about one that Nathan worked on with you? Uh, sure. You got one, bud? I thought you had one. I just went um, stupid or we can do uh, you make it look so big yeah yeah this is the one that we uh, she was talking about recording live I mean, we, like she said we never did it and we had uh, two sure mics butted up SM7s butted up to each other with a little bit of bleed on the speaker and we we've sang so much together so we know when the other one's going to do what mm-hmm. and so there was no comping and we did it like three times and it was done there was done. no vocal booth we were just out this isn't on the new record though you, you want to do this one yeah this was a song that shot up the chart and yeah man it it, it finally tapped out at like 60 I man we were really excited <laughs> about this song uh, it died it's one of it, our favorite songs it died but it was uh, man we loved it. what a great song I like Stretching out in my big old bed Putting both pillars underneath my head TV blaring all night long Nothing but ESPN Picking up my buddy on Sunday night Dollar beers till they turn off the lights Nobody checking in and up on me Who you with? Where you gonna be? But ooh, you may look so good yeah, you got me wondering what it might be like Knowing every night who I'm waking up with On the other side of the bed And I never thought I'd let Anyone ever get close enough To make me fall in love But ooh, you make it look so good That's one that we didn't write, but we you just... You are pitch perfect. Don't you, I hate her. She's so. She's amazing. I'm over here just scrounging to get I some mean, notes she, out her today. Her phrasing is just really awesome. good. Yeah. Thank you. She's always singing like this. This is why I fell in love with her. <laughs> 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 
You could do so well at this as an acoustic duo. Do you do a lot of shows like this, or do you still do the band a lot? Matter of we, fact. Actually, last fall, um, Kiefer and I have always wanted to do an acoustic tour, and it just never worked out with our schedules. But last fall, we had a whole month open, and we were, like, begging WME, can we, can we like, get some dates and do an acoustic WME being your booking agency. Yes, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Um <laughs> And they filled a whole month of November up. and um, Just theaters in the Northeast. And we had so much fun. Like, the most fun we've had probably ever. Yeah. Probably ever, just because it was just the two of us, the guitar, and small venues where you could, like... Theaters are the best. Beautiful. Oh. I love theaters. Yeah. Love it. So um, we did that, and it went over so well. We um, It's going over into this year. So And people are just... They're, they're, they keep buying the show. So half of our year this year is literally acoustic... You're which is real good at it. Which is it's so it's, it's so fun. I mean, we're having a blast doing it. Do you take Cooper out with you everywhere we go? Just to, unless yeah. it's like a crazy California one-off show and back to town. Um, yeah, he goes with us everywhere. And I'm afraid we have probably a musician on our oh, hands. Man. Oh yeah. We we did a show for our military uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we got to the venue and walked in, and he immediately started going check check check. He knew we were there for sound <laughs> he turning, check. He was turning knobs on amps and check 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 check. Oh, that's and, so cute. Yeah, baby doing sound check. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. At, at home, Kiefer's got amps everywhere in our little studio, and he's always going over and turning. He's, yeah, he goes over and plays the drums a little bit, you know. I'm looking forward to this record, I'm telling you. Thank you. Well, the first five are out. Um, uh, June 1st, the second half comes out with the whole thing. And, and this is another thing we've never been able to do is have something on vinyl. And so we're doing vinyl. I mean, they're right there. You're the first person to see, and that's the test prints right there. <laughs> I am so vinyl-like. <laughs> oh, I love it. In you the know. basement, 300,000 pieces of vinyl. Oh, I am wow. Mr. Vinyl. I got to see this. <laughs> we should go out with one yeah, song we, from the new album. Something. That, or you yeah. want? Well, or we could do "I Got You," which is one a big one we haven't done. Yeah. Uh, um, either that, yeah. But, uh, which way, whichever you want to do, whatever you, whatever moves you. This is a. Um, you want to do something stupid? <laughs> Yeah, sure. Another favorite of the new, the new one. It's um, this is a song about kind of how we met and. This kind of ties everything back to the beginning of our conversation <laughs> of, uh, of you know me walking in and and Sean knew that there was a couple threads left on this relationship back here, but I was like maybe we should just kind of wait, you know, and, and uh, she's like, man, I just we should just do something stupid, just and just start. Dive in. You know. <laughs> so I'd actually forgotten about that and. Um, Got with uh, Jason Lenning, and this was the first song that he and I ever wrote. Um, it's called Let's Do Something Stupid. What if it only took one more drink To say what we wanted to say I say, baby, let's have one more too many And get all those words out the way <laughs> Get to the part where we just passed too far Cause the bartender just kept on pouring It might be wrong, but it might be right Guess we'll find out in the morning Let's do something stupid Let's do something stupid if you're thinking what I'm thinking Then let's get out of here It's my kind of good, bad idea Let's do something stupid 
Let's do something stupid. Let's do something stupid. Yeah. Thompson Square, much. folks. The new album's called Masterpiece, and I'm the first one in line to get one. <laughs> Thank you guys so Thank much. Thank you guys very Thank much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Before we let you go, we want to welcome you to the B-Side. Here's a chance for us to have a little fun and tell one more story. As these two lovebirds were packing up, we thought we'd ask what was the most unexpected thing that happens at their concerts. It's something you'd never expect. So you think at a Thompson Square show being a, you know, love is in the air and all this stuff that uh, you wouldn't have a whole lot of fights breaking out. No. No. <laughs> Uh, for some reason, I think it's the testosterone and the estrogen and the, I don't know what it is, but we've had so many shows, especially in the beginning, where fights would break out right in the center of the stage, you know, and it's, it's, it, and we're just sitting there looking at this, and we're like, and we're, we're up there going, you know, if I didn't have you, I know, you know, singing this massive ballad, you know, and, and these people are just going at it, but... We were playing glass one night in this beautiful theater, and it was just acoustic, you know, and we're playing this. And this dude comes up to the stage, crawls onto the stage, turns around, faces the crowd, and just flips everybody off with both fingers. <laughs> and Sean's going, Apropos of what? <laughs> I don't know, you know. I was, I had just, there's like this big note in it, and I had just hit the big note, so I, I was like really into it with my eyes closed. And I open my eyes and I'm like, "What is happening right now?" Because this guy, I mean, he's literally. Jethro's like, over there, just like just winging it, you know. <laughs> and like we get him off the stage and stuff, and I'm just like, "It's it." it I don't know what it is, man. I guess he was, we. He was pretty intoxicated. So. Yeah, you know, we have a lot of. Uh, <laughs> I guess that's another odd thing in a Thompson Square show. You wouldn't expect people to to get that intoxicated. <laughs> What's well, a message well, of love? I guess if you're not in love, it could tend well, the other yeah. way, right? Yeah. I guess so. I mean, he you was definitely. Uh, he was definitely. Coming off something bad, you know. <laughs> maybe they just broke up and he was flipping her off. Maybe I don't know. So. Maybe it was his. But it's really hard. I love when that stuff happens because it gives me a platform to make a joke, have a story, whatever else. And so when that stuff happens on on stage, it's like gold. <laughs> so it's like it's not nothing. It's not as, you know if it's getting low or there's a boring part of the show or whatever. It just gives you material, you know. And I'm just like. And so I'm dying. I mean, our we're fans over. too. Like afterwards, like on our uh, Twitter feed, it was like, "Oh my gosh, the guy!" It was crazy. It, and they yeah, wanted to it, talk about it. I, all I, night. I live for that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, we'll head back to Broadway and the master of ceremonies himself. That's right, Joel Gray joins us in our New York studios with the former New York Times critic Charles Isherwood. It's an interesting look back at the Tony and Academy Award winners' incredible career. Only on Children of Song, the podcast everyone's talking about. Till next time, I'm Brad Newman. Thanks for listening. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.